0: Welcome to the Rotten Horror Picture Show, the horror movie podcast, where we talk about films off the Rotten Tomatoes 200 Best Horror Movies of All Time list. My name is Clay. and With me, as always, is Amanda. How are you doing, Amanda?
1: I'm good. I have my uh, my sunglasses on and my duffel bag full of hypodermic needles, and I'm ready to party. Help
0: me. I am deaf. <laughs> I
1: really thought that note said, help me. I'm dead.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, we are... We are heading back to 1976 with, uh, this is actually, I feel like we've done this, did we, did we do this? Have we done another Romero movie before? Have we done Night of the Living Dead?
1: I don't think so. I
0: don't think that we have.
1: Yeah, I don't think so.
0: So that's interesting to me that this might be, I think there might be another one that I'm forgetting. Actually, no, you know, what? what the other Romero movie we did was um, The Dark Half. Oh yeah. Yeah, on uh, on the Patreon. Oh yeah. You can follow along as we do the second string of Stephen King where we cover George Romero's The Dark Half.
1: That's so right.
0: we're uh taking a uh circuitous route through his filmography.
1: <laughs> yeah, real weird one.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> With uh today we're doing 1976's Martin, which is George Romero's uh foray into the vampire genre. Uh, it is number 121 on our list. It has mm-hmm. a 91% Rotten Tomatoes score, which I, I still don't know how this works because it's got 91%, <laughs> but it's number 121. I I don't know. It feels like it should be higher than that. But uh,
1: Yeah, with the 91%, you would think it was like top 25. Yeah,
0: yeah. But, well, you know, I don't know how, I yeah. don't know how algorithms it's a, it's work. It's definitely
1: a weighted thing.
0: Yeah, I went to art school. I don't know how this works. <laughs> uh, had you seen this before? nope had you heard of it before
1: other than from you absolutely not
0: yeah it is a surprisingly hard movie to get a handle on yeah we um, ended up
1: watching it on youtube
0: yes i have it on dvd i rented it once from netflix hmm. and um let's just say the the disc got lost
1: <laughs> heavy heavy air quotes on that
0: yep um but uh, it's it's very difficult to find now. Mm. It's it's never been released on blue. I don't. It's never been released on Blu-ray in the states. I don't think. Maybe overseas. Huh. Uh, apparently, the producer has just been like holding it hostage for some reason. Jesus. Um, there is supposedly a Aggressive. 4K version that a, a a company in Europe's been working on. Mm. Uh, I don't know when that's supposed to come out. Hopefully, it comes out in America because I would love to buy it because i love this movie this i this was one this was one that i i came across in my um the early days of netflix where mm-hmm. i had just pulled up or er, the early days of netflix that overlapped with my more let's start doing some digging into the horror genre yeah where i had seen a lot of the first tier stuff and now i was kind of going because i sure. i always i always like I do the same thing with music where if it's like I find someone that I like, I Mm -hmm. end up kind of going back and then seeing their older stuff and then what influenced them and all that kind of stuff. I do it with art. It's, it's, I I just find it interesting to see influences and, 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 uh, other Yeah. And how how
1: people have evolved.
0: Right. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I was pleasantly surprised by this one because it's kind of, uh, it's, it's, it's very highly regarded, I think, by the people who know it. Mm -hmm. Um, but it is, yeah. It's kind of a forgotten movie of George Romero's to to a certain extent. He, uh, the 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 dead movies really take a lot of precedence with him, yeah. <laughs> and really kind of uh, overshadow a lot of other stuff for uh, for better or worse. Yeah. Um, this becomes uh, <laughs> oh wow. I'm looking at his his filmography right now i didn't realize he directed a tv movie documentary called oj simpson's juice on the loose
1: oh my god um (laughs) where is that and who is going to send it to me yeah i know please and thank you i am i'm very here for it
0: (laughs) but uh martin kind of fell it it was right before dawn of the dead and it was after a series Mm of um failures basically that he had done after he did *Night the mm-hmm. living dead he did a movie called there's always vanilla which i don't think i've ever seen huh. uh season of the witch which i've seen once and i keep meaning to revisit because i know people really like that yeah one.
1: that's one that's on my personal list
0: oh is it really yeah
1: oh. yeah i mean I, like i haven't seen it but i want to yeah, yeah. oh
0: cool uh the crazies which is pretty solid mm-hmm. um and then this oj simpson thing another tv thing this thing called the amusement park which actually just they put on Shutter, oh. which is supposed to be very good, but I haven't. It's kind of a PSA. It's actually it's a PSA about, um, if I remember correctly, it's a PSA about uh, uh, taking care of elderly people, and I believe it is about an elderly huh. an elderly person who doesn't have his faculties who gets lost in an amusement park, oh. and the horror that that is for him. Oh my god! Yeah, I've heard. That. Jesus. <laughs> it's um, and yeah, and then he does Martin in 1976, right before Dawn of the Dead. Um, it's it's interesting that he has this kind of interesting dip after Night of the Living Dead, and then yeah. r- then after Martin, you've got Dawn of the Dead, Night Riders, Creepshow, Day of the Dead, and then he has another dip after that. Huh. Um, but yeah, it's yeah. um it's a it's a nice little find uh, if you're looking f- uh, to dig up some some lost classics, as mm. they would say. So uh, we'll take a quick break, play you the trailer, and then we will get into Martin.
2: My name is Martin. I'm 84 years old. People think I'm crazy when I tell them how old I am. I'd like to be normal. I just have a sickness. The only way I can survive is by drinking blood. That's It's not easy living the way I do. I have to be careful all the time. but I'm pretty good at it. I think as I get older, I get better. I haven't been caught yet. Martin, another kind of terror. You see, people don't understand what's wrong. I think that I'm a monster. I think I'm a vampire. People don't realize that those things I see in the movies are not real. I don't have a whole lot of women. It's nice to watch them i watch them a lot all the time i have to to be sure that nothing goes wrong i follow them i plan i'm very careful i have needles now i can use them i can put them to sleep and it doesn't hurt
0: martin Another kind of terror.
2: I would like to be like everyone else. I have to do things that I don't necessarily like to do. But I want to stay alive. I do need blood. From the director of Night of the Living Dead. March, 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 March.
0: Okay, Martin, from 1976, written and directed by George A. Romero, starring John Amplis, Lincoln Mazel, Ma, Mazel, sure, Christine Forrest, Elaine Nadeau, and Sex Machine himself, Tom Savini, in a very Sex Machine type role. <laughs> <laughs> it's like blue blue collar Sex Machine.
1: Yeah, hunky hunky blue collar boyfriend. Yes.
0: Yeah. Uh, Amanda, what happens in Martin? A- Not. Based. This is not what the the Martin Lawrence TV show is based on. We should get that out of the way now. Yeah, because everyone's
1: going to know what that is. Yes,
0: you've never. You don't know Martin? No. How old are you? Uh,
1: Apparently not old enough to do this podcast. Jeez,
0: what about living single? I don't know what that is. You got. You got to get some more culture in your life. (laughs) Anyway, what happens in Martin?
1: a young man who believes himself to be a vampire goes to live with his elderly and hostile cousin in a small Pennsylvania town where he tries to redeem his blood craving urges. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's the whole movie. Yep. Pretty much. Yep. Well, Clay, some things you'll find in Martin Mm -hmm. include, uh, Van Helsing, Colonel Sanders cosplay.
0: Yeah. It's, um, he's got a sweet, his uncle's got a s- cousin, has a sweet white suit that he wears that's uh, pretty fly.
1: Yeah, diamond uh, tie pin kind of thing going on. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's full old country Colonel Sanders.
0: Yeah. The secret ingredient is wooden steaks in this sense.
1: <laughs> wooden chips, splinters from wooden steaks.
0: Yes. Well, the secret ingredient is family shame is what it is. It's garlic. Yes. Yeah. Go oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, you'll also find... Shitting with the door open. It's how you know Repeatedly. you're in Pittsburgh. That's how you know you're in Pittsburgh. Over and over again. Yep. At least three times in this movie. <laughs> uh, as, as well as door to door, warm, raw meat delivery. Yep.
0: Um,
1: Just clutch it to your chest like you're cradling a puppy.
0: Yeah. You know, I, anybody who does like HelloFresh <laughs> or Purple Carrot or something <laughs> like that, yeah. you really need to... Um, appreciate the box full of ice and nicely cooled food that gets delivered to your house because the other option is a weird boy
1: (laughs) clutching wrap walks it
0: to your house yeah after clutching it to his warm stomach for about three miles
1: right walking uphill both ways in the sun
0: yeah uh uh, but mm. on the plus side if you want to you can have sex with him after
1: an interesting plus side. <laughs> uh, you'll also find a thorough explanation of emergency phone numbers of the 70s.
0: Yeah, I. so one of the things I love about this movie is how naturalistic it is and how... <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah,
1: that's a, that's a great word for it. Yeah,
0: how I think the performances are really good and really natural. Uh, it almost kind of has a documentary feel to a lot of it. It does. Um, but they could have cut some of that phone business when he breaks <laughs> into that house because they... They just keep. Oh
1: God, yeah.
0: Trying to figure out who's on the phone.
1: Yeah, it feels like an SNL bit.
0: It does. Yeah, and it like it it by the third time, sh- the lady's trying to like dial through, but she forgets yeah. the phone number. It's like the yep. tension's gone. Yeah, and now it's, it's, it's just become
1: like, a comedy, and then it's gone from comedy to just kind of boring. After yeah,
0: a yeah. They yeah. could they could have they could have sliced just some just of that. One
1: out. or two fewer attempts at the phone. Yes. Yes. Uh, you'll also find Amanda's fifth grade Halloween costume.
0: Mm-hmm. I assume you mean the the Dracula oh, yeah. getup.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think it was my older brother's first, and then I uh, promptly commandeered it as Excellent. soon as I as soon as I can, and ran around in that cape for probably several days. My
0: favorite thing about that is um, it transforms. So, mm. like, you first see him in this very stereotypical Dracula cape with these fangs, mm-hmm. and then at a certain point. You see what he's really wearing, mm-hmm. which is like a a black knit blanket yeah. with plastic fake vampire teeth. Yes, but like the actual vampire cape he wears isn't like a really good looking vampire yeah, cape. No, it's it's clearly like a <laughs> it is corner like we store. went yeah
1: we went to the like the five and the five dollar section yeah. at a at a at a like corner store yeah
0: yeah I don't think it's this amazing. movie had a much budget so yeah, I guess not. they they did what they could
1: yeah. And finally, you'll find questionable cousin-ing?
0: Yeah. Well, I guess parenting, too, because they do send him to live with his cousin. Although, technically...
1: Well, I, I want to talk about that <clears throat> once we get into things a little bit. Sure. I, I want to get into the, the like Martin backstory.
0: Martin, Martin. That was the theme song to the Martin TV show, which you don't know. Yeah, I was so going to say, you were totally lost alone you. You in know this what? one. There's a lot of people listening right now that are just howling and clapping. For the Martin theme song,
1: howling and clapping. This is gonna. I'm,
0: this is gonna be our highest rated episode. All right. Yeah, so this is uh, George Romero's vampire movie. He takes the same kind of approach to this, uh, I think, that he kind of takes with Night of the Living Dead, where he makes it um, a little bit... He tries to take something that's very magical Mm -hmm. and make it a a bit more realistic. There is no magic. There is no magic. And, you know, I am going to just right out of the gate undersell this by saying... Not only do I think this is his second best movie behind Night of the Living Dead, mm. I think this is one of the best vampire movies that I know of.
1: Interesting.
0: Yeah, I, I assume that means you do not agree.
1: <laughs> I I would say I do not agree. Mm-hmm. I would even say that there's an argument and a question of, is this even a vampire movie?
0: Okay, well, I mean, if, it, if a vampire movie in, it requires someone to be actively drinking someone else's blood i guess it would count
1: i feel like there's more requirements Mm -hmm. for it to be a vampire movie than just some blood drinking okay do you know what i mean like if you if you strip everything away from the vampire lore other than he's just a crazy guy who likes to drink other people's blood Mm -hmm. Is he a vampire or is he just a psychopath?
0: Well, I think that's the question, uh, right. one of the questions of the movie. Yeah. Yeah, because I think they, they do a nice job of blurring that line um, where you've got Martin, who is the, the vampire, who doesn't believe that mm-hmm. he is some immortal being. Um, but you've also got... Does he not? It's unclear because he does say that he's 84, yeah. But who's to say whether or not that's what he believes or that's what he's been told, like mm. made to believe by mm. his superstitious family? Mm. Uh and then you've got his his cousin, his older cousin Tatakuda. Yeah. Great name. Great yeah. name. Great heart song too. Um <laughs> who is fully on board that this guy is is a is a monster. Yeah. Um
1: Nosferatu. And it's
0: a nice it's a nice dynamic because it's it's a little bit flipped than you would expect, where I feel like usually the it would be the other way where Martin is the one who believes he's the vampire.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and like insists to everyone that he is one. To be fair,
0: he doesn't not believe he's a vampire. He right. just doesn't think there's any magic behind it. Right. It's just a sickness.
1: Yeah, I don't even know if he would think of it as a sickness. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? He mm-hmm. seems he seems to just kind of think that he's he seems to think everyone else is the crazy one. Okay. Like he talks all the time about how the world is just full of crazy people and he's the only one who knows how to stay calm. Well,
0: yeah, yeah, he's 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 an incel is what he is. Yeah. Like he very much like <laughs> what's what I find so fascinating about this is this is essentially like one part vampire movie and one mm-hmm. part like 70 serial killer movie. Yeah. Because yeah. Martin the character is very much in line with a serial killer. Like absolutely. you go into a textbook of what a serial killer is. It's going to look like this guy.
1: Yeah. I actually have in my notes that he's more Ted Bundy than he is Dracula.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, which is a really interesting way to take it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the reason, one of the reasons I would say that it is a vampire movie to me is mm-hmm. I actually think this has a lot in common with, with Nosferatu, the, the 1920s movie. Sure. And also a, you know uh, the remake as well Um, because you've in both of those in both the Nosferatu movies you've got this um, malevolent force that comes to town and basically is the uh, metaphor and the avatar of the town around it dying Mm. and this is very specifically set in the suburbs of pittsburgh beautiful beautiful pittsburgh. beautiful beautiful pittsburgh <laughs> 70s pittsburgh Oof. yeah um and basically like every every the town is just kind of falling apart yeah uh nobody's happy yeah everybody is depressed there's no work um the buildings are falling apart
1: yeah they talk about having to rebuild the church and like yeah, asking people to sell things in on their fire. house to yeah.
0: Yeah. It's uh it's a it's a really nice parallel, I think, with with something like Nosferatu that sets the vampire as this um the metaphor for what is happening to the other people in the in the story.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean I I, I don't disagree that there are elements of a of, of vampire movies being played off of in this. Mm-hmm. I just it's hard for me to say that I think it's one of the best vampire movies I've ever seen where I'm not sure if it's actually about a real vampire mm-hmm. you know what i mean like mm-hmm. i i when I watched it, I took it much more in the sort of seventies serial killer movie vein mm-hmm. than I did as like an actual like this is a vampire movie mm-hmm. do you know
0: would you what would what would you need to make it a vampire movie?
1: I think I would need a little more um like a little more ambiguity that he might actually be. Like, mm-hmm. an 80-year-old eternal being, even if there's no other, like, magic or other, like, elements of, of the traditional vampire, it's, like, almost too rooted in in real real life mm-hmm. and reality for me to kind of believe that he might be what Tatekura thinks he is. Mm-hmm. Instead, I'm like, oh, this is just, like, kind of a weird version of, like, a Foliadu, where it's, like two people whose madness when you put it together creates this like perfect storm. Sure. That's sure. kind of more how I saw it when I, when I watched it.
0: Well, how how would you interpret the, the black and white sequences? Would you think that those are pure fantasy or do you think that yeah. they are flashback?
1: I, well, I think they're flashbacks to how he's seen. I think most of it, if I'm, if I'm remembering correctly, seems to be the same like couple incidents that he's Mm -hmm. remembering yeah he's remembering another time where he killed a woman Mm -hmm. and it seems to be maybe like maybe not maybe it's the first time maybe it's just like the, the very early time or kind of like the best one right um but we were sort of making jokes about like in the flashback the black and white scenes where he he um drinks this woman's blood and he gets the blood all over his shirt and that's kind of how he gets caught is that like everybody yes. sees him with the bloody shirt.
2: Yeah.
1: We're um, like, oh, that's why he gets naked. Right. Like, yeah. because he doesn't want to get blood in his clothes he learned from this, from this thing. Um, so you see flashbacks to that, flashbacks to sort of like an angry mob chasing him mm-hmm. and flashbacks to another exorcism right. attempt. I kind of saw those more as this is how he sees his life. Sure. Like, these are his sort of fantastical renderings in his own head of things that he's done in the past. Mm, But like that doesn't mean that he actually did them back in 1887 or whenever they're trying to claim he was first being a vampire. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I saw it as sort of him, him romanticizing his own life and his own behavior and and in a way justifying it, Mm -hmm. which is I think what lets him continue doing it is that he sees these women as welcoming him whether or not they actually are right like he views it as like they're waiting for me they Mm -hmm. want me just the way i want them yeah and i think it allows him to kind of continue to do what he's doing and live in his own reality i saw it more as that than like literal we're getting visions of the past sure yeah yeah
0: no absolutely uh yeah i i think that um you know, I, I I don't know if if uh, if for me it needs to be a literal vampire for it to qualify as a vampire movie because I sure. think because I feel like it hits I think it hits some of the things that vampire movies have tried to do since mm. I think it hits them better. Okay. Um. So I I much prefer the way that they handle his vampirism as Mm -hmm. possibly being like a mental illness or a sickness or something i much prefer this than what comes later where it's just like oh it's just a blood disease it's just you know (laughs) it's a metaphor for aids you know i that stuff i it's i find that to be so um like the first time you do it okay fine yeah but like i find it to be very kind of hacky yeah it's just like they're trying to take some of the magic away from, they're trying to have their cake and eat it too, where they're taking some of the magic away from vampirism by saying, sure. oh, it's a blood disease, but also he can turn into a bat, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right,
1: which is why I think that kind of um, premise works in something like Near Dark. Yeah. Where they're not, like, like they can't turn into a bat. Sure, they don't, sure. They don't, like, have powers to cu- summon wolves or, like, yeah. turn into mist or hypnotize people with their eyes. Yeah. They're just, like aggro crazy people who have a sun allergy right and and yeah. can't process solid foods so they drink blood yeah um so yeah i get i get what you're saying with that kind of thing we're like that they, yeah they're trying to have have your cake and eat it too i think you know near dark is the one that keeps coming into my head sure yeah absolutely um
0: and i would th- definitely put this in like the same ballpark as in near dark
1: interesting yeah. well
0: well in terms of like the kind of vampire movie that i in, like, like more sure Okay. because like i you know <laughs> you're it,
1: not gonna get really into like what, what was oh god dracula 2000 or whatever
0: oh i <laughs> love Dra- don't get me wrong you- <laughs> i love dracula 2000 i have not seen it in a very long time yeah but i remember seeing that it's movie in the theater movie i saw that in the theater
1: oh wow yeah
0: and i was like you know what <laughs> fucking a i'm in <laughs> Come on, Dracula turns out to be Judas. That's brilliant. Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, but like I I appreciate that this movie taking this idea of dispelling the myths, mm-hmm. as oh, these are things that you these are just things from the movies or these are just things from books Superstition. or whatever. Yeah, yeah, I I appreciate that them doing that with like some point behind it. Instead mm. of just, I'm not saying Near Dark does this, but mm. but there are other movies that'll that'll just have one scene where they're like, it's not like the movies, pal. Yeah, crosses don't do anything, <laughs> and it's just like you're just doing that to try to be cool, right? You know. Right. Whereas in this, it's like all it's part of the story. It's part of the yeah. the fabric of the story is this idea. <coughs> excuse me, of. Old world versus new world, yeah. superstition versus uh reality. Like I think one of the most interesting things about this <clears throat> God, excuse me. Is the way that Romero portrays religion, specifically Catholicism. Yeah. Because he, and
1: portrays it quite literally as Father yes, Howard. Yes, yeah. he
0: plays this sort of like hip young priest. Yeah, who uh, like
1: now demons? <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> that's funny. Kuda, yeah.
0: Tata Kuda has him over for dinner and 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 starts talking about what he thinks about demons and stuff. And he gives this really kind of like modern response where he's like, "Well, you know, I think that's I think." It's those those old things are those old rites and stuff. They're they're very important to the history of the church. And yeah, blah. yeah. And you know, I think there's there's an older priest who still who claims he's actually done that. Like he says right. it very like. Can you believe that this right. guy is that actually wild? Done yeah. yeah.
1: Some people still think you do these things. Yeah,
0: and yeah. like the way he doesn't play the priest malevolently or maliciously. No, but the way that he plays him is very much like he's just there for a free meal. Yeah. Like, it's not, uh, it's not like, explicit, but yeah. he's got this sense to him where he's, like, you know, he's taking all the wine that they're giving him, he's trying all the cookies and stuff, and he's like, yeah, I'll talk about demons for a second, I, sure. I
1: think it's also a, a, a measure of, and, like, not to get super defensive on the on the behalf of Catholic priests, my mm-hmm. uncle is one.
0: Oh, um,
1: right. But I think a lot of it is the, the obligation a priest feels more towards his flock. Sure. You know, where it's like, all right, there's this old guy you know, he wants, he wants me to come over. He comes to church every Sunday. Mm -hmm. He's a good parishioner. He's a pillar of the community. He owns this, this store. I should go. I should get to know him. Mm -hmm. Like he's an important person in this community. He's an important part of my parish. Yeah. So I think a lot of it's that more than just like a free meal. It's sort of like, no, this is this is the job now. The job right, isn't right. demons and exorcisms. Yes. The job is sitting in this old guy's living room and kind of humoring him and giving him some spiritual counsel if he asks for it. Right?
0: Yeah. Like it's yeah. it's
1: more of a like priest as like counselor rather than as like you know the, this this infallible spiritual leader. Right. Which is kind of what Tatekuda wants. Right. He wants the old school fire and brimstone, you know, Latin mass and all of that.
0: And uh, I think I think he sets up a really nice um, contrast when Tatakuda does get that from the older priest, because this movie makes religious Catholic rites of exorcism look so much more ridiculous than vampirism. (laughs) <laughs> like the way that they, they yeah. in the scene where they kind of do try to do this exorcism on martin they're, they're jumping back and forth into one of these black and white flashbacks of yeah. something similar happening, yeah, and the flashback is much more cinematic oh and it's it's much
1: more somber dramatic and, 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 yeah and, yeah
0: and the the actual reading and performing of these rites just sounds like a priest reading it out of a book like he would yeah because he is it's literally what he's doing. <laughs> but there's like no magic to it. There's right, no and Tate
1: is holding the 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 lit candles in the shape of a cross, but he can't he can't quite hold them steady. He's old so his hands are shaking and the hot wax is landing on his fingers, so it's clear he kinda wants to drop them. My
0: favorite part of it is is at the end, or towards the end when the priest is reading the thing and he kinda says like sum, 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 this is the word of the word of the Lord uh, everybody says amen and then like, yeah. amen like it's yeah, it's yeah just like very you need clunky prompting, and, yeah it's very clunky and silly yeah
1: it's like reading the stage directions out loud yeah you know
0: and it's I, it's kind of part of the theme of the movie i think from romero's perspective which is there is no magic you know yeah. he's he's presenting um he's presenting the religion as being just as as kind of silly in some respect, at least the old view of it sure. to be just as silly as this idea that maybe this guy is a vampire.
1: Right, right. Decorating your house in religious icons and, and nailing garlic strands to the doors and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess my, my thing is just that there is, there is no magic in this movie to such a deep extent mm. that it makes it really hard for me to believe in either what Kuda believes or what Martin believes. Okay.
2: Sure. Do you know what I mean? Sure. Like,
1: I, I, I almost think going so far in that direction of, look how ludicrous this all is, lands me kind of firmly in the camp of just like, okay, so yeah, he's like a mentally ill serial killer. Mm-hmm. Like, if there's no magic and there's no room for any of this sort of esoteric belief to be true then he's not an 84 year old vampire he's just a crazy guy who's raped and murdered a bunch of people
0: right sure
1: you know what I mean so like I'm not saying it's not at all a vampire movie but I think that's why I keep coming down on the side of it being taking the concept of a vampire and and using it as an entry point to tell a very different kind of story Sure. Rather than a story about yeah. a vampire. Yeah.
0: I don't think it's that different of a story though. I think, because I, again, I think it, it hits a lot of the beats that vampire movies tend to hit. Yeah. Um, and it, I think, it, I think thematically it's, it's very tight. Oh, um, absolutely. Yeah. Like I, one of the other things I think this movie does really well that lots of other vampire movies try to do. And I think fail mm. at is um, present how lonely the vampire is Mm. and what what i think the the actual kind of magic trick of this movie is is that uh martin himself is kind of a cipher right sure he's kind of just this uh there's not much to him right he's he is he's very uh He's animalistic in a way that I think also is more accurate than any time it's like, ooh, the mm. vampires are real animalistic because they get big yeah. teeth and they do. Yeah. <laughs> Martin Martin is animalistic because he just like sits, yeah. and he waits. Well, it's like and he what, watches
1: um, his his girlfriend from down the street. She her, her one of her first <laughs> exchanges with him when she drives him home after the warm raw meat delivery. Yes. Um, it's sort of a monologue because he doesn't talk. Right, yeah. Um, and she talks about how, like, you remind me of an old cat
0: Yeah. that I had. Yep. Or
1: a cat that was in the neighborhood. It was this old feral cat that would just sit there and stare at me with those same eyes. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah I totally believe that. that you he's know, like,
0: an- animalistic acting is not just snarling and baring your teeth. Right. It's the quiet, like, you know my dog.
1: My <laughs> dog will sit and
0: he will stare at you. yeah. And that's creepier than if he were to yes, like bear his teeth at you. Absolutely, he, he will he,
1: unblinkingly hard stare at me for minutes at a time. Because
0: and also because most of the time when he bears his teeth, it means he's happy. But, yeah, um, just a smile. But yeah, Martin becomes this sort of like central uh, figure who doesn't who doesn't change so much, but becomes this representation of how everybody around him is lonely and everybody around him is wasting away. Yeah. Um and that's one of the, that's what reminds me of Nosferatu is cuz he's Okay, yeah. The Nosferatu vampire when he comes to the the town, mm-hmm. you know, he brings with him this plague that that kills the whole city and you see how the people are wasting away and yeah. I think it's a really interesting modern take on that element of of the vampire thing because all of these characters are so like fundamentally broken yeah you know you've got his his girlfriend who's clinically depressed who kills herself Yep. um you've got the the uh uh the one wife that he, the one woman that he attacks who ends up is cheating on her husband yep um his
1: cousin christine
0: yeah his cousin christine he's is... in like
1: a quasi abusive or at least neglectful relationship with yeah, tom savini
0: i i don't <laughs> know how I, it sounds like he's probably cheating on her
1: right or like right
0: but like, you know, she has this great monologue towards the end when she's leaving. Yeah. Uh, when Tatakuda's is like, try not to have any kids. And she's like, don't worry. I mean, I'm not even going to end up with this guy. Oh, He's yeah. He's just a yeah, way yeah. out for me. Yeah. Which is, uh, which is really interesting. That is a great monologue. I do and love it, love comes, it comes from a nice twist, too, because yeah. the scene before that is Martin talking to her. And uh, he assumes that she's sad because the guy left. Yeah. That Tom Savini left and she's like, No, I'm leaving with him. It's just yeah. I'm sad for everybody else, basically. Yeah. It's, it's it's a really it's a really interesting character study, I think, of everyone else in the movie except for Martin, who is just this sort of weird, creepy cipher in the middle.
1: Yeah, and I you know, that's a really good point. And it kind of makes me think of how Martin changes his behavior depending on who he's around. Mm-hmm. So like when he's with Tatekuda, he kind of plays up. I mean, sometimes subtly and then sometimes very overtly with the uh, plastic fangs and a cape, uh, he plays up the whole Nosferatu yep. thing. And he he almost kind of torments Tatekuda, but also sort of fulfills what Tatekuda wants him to be. Yeah, like, Tatekuda wants him to be a Nosferatu. Right, sure. And so he's like, sure, okay, I'll be your Nosferatu. Let's do this.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then when he's around Christine... She sort of sees him as just, like, this really young kid who's, like, troubled and needs help. Yeah. And he kind of plays into that, too, where he is, like, more playful. He's got his little, like, trick guillotine thing that he, like, shows her. And it's, like, the happiest he looks the whole movie. You
0: know what that scene reminded me of? Um, the guy who takes the picture in the van in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yes. And then he sets the, yes. the thing on fire and... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The the amount of joy.
1: stabbing or like slashing uh, Franklin's palm with a knife. The amount
0: of joy brought from a stupid magic trick. Yes. uh, To a weird little man (laughs) was very similar to me.
1: But that is like the happiest moment he has in the whole movie. And Mm -hmm. it's because it makes her happy. And so I don't even know if he's actually happy or if he's just reflecting back at her what she wants to see. Like she wants to see him as this kind of like. This kid who can be, like, a little mischievous, but, like, sweet. And, like, yeah. he's just, like, oh, he's so young. He's playing little magic tricks at the table. Um, and then, obviously, for the for the neighbor, his girlfriend, whose name I'm blanking on, was she, was she Abby? Her name
0: is Mrs. Santini. Okay. I think you're talking about the, yeah, the yeah, yeah. woman he sleeps with. Yes. Yeah, I believe her name is Mrs. Santini.
1: Okay. But he, like, provides a... He serves a purpose for her, too. Like, she kind of wants him to sure. be, like... This sort of like she, she's got this kind of like mrs robinson fantasy with him a little bit yeah. that she wants him to fulfill and he sees that and is like oh okay you want me here for sex yeah um
0: i i looked her up by yeah. the way because you know she's portrayed in this movie as like this older woman mm-hmm. which you know he's pretty young but the the vibe is clearly older housewife who's yes. neglected or whatever yeah she's 31
1: <laughs> that is one thing about watching all this this movie that i was just like all of these people other than uh martin all of these people seem so much older than me and i guarantee you most of them are younger than oh, i am em- right except now.
0: for Tatakuda, <laughs> probably maybe
1: uh, Tatakuda too
0: romero i think romero might have been around our my age maybe or maybe your age i'm not totally sure let me look up
1: that's wild
0: uh he was born in 1940 so he would have been 36.
1: Right in between us. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Wow.
1: <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> I've people... accomplished nothing in my life. Hi, how are
0: you? <laughs> <laughs> people look so much older in the past. Why is that? Is it because you had I- I to be more we... responsible when you were younger?
1: Maybe. I also think for us it's a little bit because we probably have seen pictures of our parents.
0: That's true. When know. they
1: were that age and 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 looked sort of in that style. Because mm. I know like... My dad was born in like 45 or mm-hmm. something. So when I see pictures of him from like the 60s or 70s, I'm like, he was old. And it's like, yeah. no, he was like 30.
0: Yeah. Well, I, <laughs> I think I've mentioned this before. Maybe not here, but on one of the other podcasts. Um, mm-hmm. when, I, when I was younger, when I would see like baseball players and baseball cards. Yeah. And the, guy, you know, the older cards where the guys got the big mustaches and stuff. Mm-hmm. My thought was, oh, wow, man, these guys are so much older than, I, than, than me. Yeah. Which at the time was true, but I realized a handful of years ago I was watching <laughs> the Red Sox and all these all the players had these like big beards and stuff that, yeah. like the hipster beards. Yeah, and I was like, these guys are so fucking young. And then it occurred to me, it's like oh, all those guys, baseball players yes. from the seventies, I thought were <laughs> like old men. Yeah, were probably like between eighteen and twenty five.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe twenty eight.
0: Yeah, must yeah. a mustache makes you look older. Yeah, it yeah. does. It ages you. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I I I I like what this movie is doing. Vampire movie or not. Sure. I I I really like the story that this is telling hmm. because I do think it is a very uh interesting portrait of American life uh at the at this time in history. This is 1976. This is yeah. the year of the bicentennial. Um <laughs> and you have this movie which is kind of just about people in america who are sick and tired of being sick and tired and yeah and uh it's yeah i i think it's um the blending of the vampire thing and the serial killer thing is i, I think it's i think it's a very modern take yeah that might have been a bit ahead of its time frankly
1: yeah oh i can totally see that and i do think it's it's For me, I think it it was interesting when I, I kind of watched this through again today and I could pay a little more attention to not Martin.
2: Mm, (laughs) Do you know what I mean?
1: Like everyone else around him and what they were doing and like the environments. Because I think the first time I watched it, uh, I was trying so hard to sort of figure out does this movie want me to feel sympathy for Martin?
0: Sure. Okay.
1: Um, And I think I was so focused on that question that I missed some of the, the the sort of setting in the background stuff. Mm -hmm. And so watching it through again was great because I did get to pay more attention to like the scenes where he takes the train back into downtown Pittsburgh. Oh yeah. And is just kind of wandering around and there's like, trash everywhere and abandoned buildings Mm -hmm. and the city looks like a hell and the people who live there you know there's there's women going in and out of the grocery store and the minute they come out the door they're just accosted by dudes right yeah um and it seems like the when i first watched it i I was kind of like is this an exaggeration Mm. and then i was like well even if it's an extreme like maybe it's exaggerated for effect but it's still more accurate to the time than it seems like like this this really was like economically things were not going great socially things were like really tense and Mm -hmm. not going great cities were not in a good state
0: was vietnam still going on in 76 (sighs) i have no idea i don't remember i mean i'm sure there was a gas crisis Uh, probably problems with iran yeah (laughs) an entire verse of we wouldn't start the fire yeah yeah going on exactly
1: ho chi minh et cetera et cetera yeah
0: um back again so, yeah there pesky, you go pesky ho chi minh <laughs>
1: um but yeah it it is it's interesting. at least at
0: least i i can't say mm. that this is an analogy this movie is an analogy to, to billy joel's the stranger <laughs> at least not yet because after uh, now you're that working, i've just said that it, I'm working, working on, on it. it in your head yeah, <laughs> i might be able to get there anyway sorry continue
1: no that's fine um but yeah like as like like a historical and a social artifact it's Mm. really interesting and i do and i do agree with you that it's it's taking the sort of beats of a traditional vampire movie and doing something unique with them Mm. um that's you know i'm not i'm not trying to argue that it's fully not a vampire movie i'm not trying to say they have no connection and what are you talking about i was more just thinking that like I don't watch this as like a monster movie.
0: Sure. Yes. I would agree with that. Yeah. That's maybe
1: a better and better and easier way than wasting 40 minutes of your night (laughs) of me trying to be like, but no,
0: (laughs) I I think, um, this probably has more in line with something like Henry portrait of a serial killer or something like that, Mm -hmm. which is, Mm -hmm. uh, a little bit more, uh, realistic following, someone as they kind of get get into their head about this psychosis they have that causes them to kill people and stuff like that. Yeah. Um,
1: And I do think, like, in this movie, I find Martin's attacks scarier than a vampire's attacks. they're
0: really fucking scary. Because
1: a vampire, the traditional sort of old-school type of vampire that will just hypnotize you Mm -hmm. or, like you know, comes out of the darkness while you're essentially asleep and, and you're unguarded and just bites you on the neck and you go, ah, and yeah. then you're either dead or you're a vampire or whatever. That's a lot more simple yeah. than what Martin does. And he, you know, you get like ex- that extended sequence of him stalking a woman around Pittsburgh, yeah. like following her around town and spying on her and plotting and then breaking into her house in a pretty methodical way. Yep. Um, He's great, dead.
0: great twist though that she yeah. she's cheating yeah. on her husband.
1: I that that sequence when when she when he opens the door and he looks at the dude and goes Who are you? <laughs> and The guy is like, Hey, man, I don't yeah. want any trouble. Let's not get like heated about this. We can talk it out. Blah blah blah. And she's like, I don't know him. Yeah,
0: it's really good. <laughs> like, it was it's was really freaky. So
1: good. Yeah, but it's 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 really frightening yeah. to watch what he does to women. Yeah, because it is stuff that like. I'm a true crime person, so I'm like I've heard these stories before in real life, which is maybe part of why he reads so much to me as sure, a serial killer sure, is yeah. that I am like steeped in those stories mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. but yeah, I find it much much more frightening
0: i I mean that first train sequence, yeah, I think is really, really effective
1: it is especially it, yeah.
0: especially the moment where like you get that you right away get that sort of dichotomy that Romare is playing with where mm-hmm. you you see the, the fantasy version where he pushes into the room and like the beautiful hammer hammer girl in the yes. night is waiting for yes. him. Yes,
1: and she like opens her arms to him. Yeah,
0: and then you cut back to reality where he pushes into the room. She's not there. Yeah. And then she comes out and she like- I love it. She's got the sleep mask on. Yeah, she's and got
1: her skincare routine on. Yeah, she's like blowing she's her nose. Blowing her nose. She took a magazine with her into the bathroom to take a shit. <clears throat> yeah. Like- yeah, she's just being a with human with the door
0: closed because they weren't in Pittsburgh yet. Right. Yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. 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 Once you cross city city lines, though, yes. got the door open. The doors just don't it's lock. A law.
0: Yeah. Um, actually, it's really funny we're talking about this. Have you ever mm. heard of the Pittsburgh toilet?
1: <laughs> no, but I'm, I want to. I'm pretty sure. Do I want
0: to? I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure I have this right. So, I'm scared.
1: Uh, I'm as scared as I would be if Martin were outside my door. I
0: hope that I am relaying this correctly. If I'm not I apologize I look forward to your letters. Um <laughs> They better be handwritten. There's this thing in Pittsburgh called the Pittsburgh toilet which is uh in a lot of the buildings like the apartment buildings in the basement there is a okay. toilet. Okay. Like a freestanding toilet. And uh Just
1: like out in the middle of a room or in a bathroom? Like in the
0: basement just freestanding toilet. Not in a bathroom, just in the floor in the middle of the floor. Okay. And uh, there was some confusion as to what this thing was for. Like, there were some people who thought that it was like, oh, well, you know, it's great to have a toilet in your bathroom. Was it basement. hooked
1: up to plumbing?
0: Yes. The purpose of it, I guess people started to, they kind of forgot why they were there, and so people started using them and, like, thinking that it's like, oh, cool, we have a toilet in the basement. Uh-huh. But the purpose of the Pittsburgh toilet is it is built in because of the sewage system overflows so much. <gasps> That putting this t- toilet in the basement oh my God, stops can, like- <laughs> stops the overflow from reaching the higher floors,
1: and then you can just flush your basement toilet.
0: Yes, essentially. <laughs> so by taking out like the places that took them out oh, or whatever, would God. cause the, the backups to go up into the apartments. My
1: building needs a Pittsburgh toilet <laughs>
0: <laughs> because they had this sort of like thing where you know it takes the pressure off at the basement, yeah. so it doesn't make it all the way up.
1: That's that I is didn't even
0: realize that when we were making the joke last the night. The most
1: Pittsburgh thing I've ever heard I in think my it's life.
0: Pittsburgh and if it's not well it is now. It so. is now.
1: Spread the word everyone. Yeah. Call all your friends who live in Pittsburgh. Ask uh. them about their basement toilet.
0: <laughs> but yeah, I think I think the attack scenes are really scary. Yeah. Um
1: Yeah, I just I I the the opening one especially because it shows it shows that he knows what he's doing. Yes. Like he has a technique. Mm-hmm. And he has honed this technique Mm -hmm. and like he, he jabs her with the needle and is like telling her to go to sleep. And he keeps saying, I'm always very careful with the needle. Mm -hmm. And like that, you know, immediately that, that very simple line is like, Oh, okay. He's done this many times.
0: And the way that he's like pleading with her. Yes. About just like, just go to sleep. That's all. I just, I don't want to hurt you. It won't hurt. It's like, I think w- the the acting in this movie I think is really great Yeah. because it's so naturalistic and like these scenes aren't easy. Yeah. Like it's not just a choreographed vampire attack or even a choreographed serial killer attack. Right. Like you've got these women and the the male too in that's in the scene with the two of them. Yeah. Reacting in very naturalistic ways where she's stu- like you see as he's struggling with her you see her progression of being scared yep. to like calling him a you know, a, a, a fucking asshole, yeah, and like rapist yeah, yeah. piece of shit. Yep. And then ultimately, she starts like bargaining with him, trying to figure out yeah. what he. What did. do you want? Yeah, I'll
1: give you like money. What do you want? Just take it, please. Don't hurt me. Yeah. yeah.
0: And it's very effective. Yeah, um, and the
1: camera never during that struggle until until the drug kind of takes effect. The camera never cuts away, so you yeah. don't get like relief from her being terrified and 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 attacked.
0: Yeah, and like if that's not creepy enough, Mm -hmm. when she finally does fall asleep, like his actual thing that he does with the women is just so fucking weird. So fucked up. Like, um,
1: it's so fucked up and it's like shot in this way that I, 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 it's, it's like visually it's, it's, it's really weird and unsettling. mm -hmm. And I very much know that that's on purpose and it works so well because I cringe to even think about it where yeah. it's like almost like ha- shot in like a half romantic way. Yeah. Like the yeah. music gets softer and the lighting is dimmed and you just kind of see like, like the outline of their bodies and it's almost, and, and like he seems like he's being very tender with her yeah, sure. at that point. And that to me makes it even more fucked up. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah.
0: Yeah. And I mean in that, in that instance, it, feels very much like a serial killer thing. Yeah. Because, you know, you hear all the time in these serial killer stories oh how the uh, the killers are are treating the women a certain way because they are this, you know, sexual surrogate for yep. whatever fucked up things is wrong with them. And, <laughs> yep. And, uh, <clears throat> yeah, you get to see that in a way that's very effective, but it's not exploitative. <laughs> Right. And which yeah. kind of makes it worse <laughs> because
1: Yeah, yeah. Because
0: I mean you, you are seeing I, I you are seeing nudity in this movie, but again, it's it's very like natural. It doesn't yeah. feel exploitative. And so when you get into these sequences where like they don't even a hundred percent make it clear that he's raping these women. Right. But he's raping these women. Yeah. You know, like it's you you get the idea what's going right, on.
1: Right, but it's never supposed to be titillating. Right. Like I, I think the opening the opening murder, the train murder, when it gets to that point, it's the closest. It's it's the closest that the wor- the real world gets to the world in Martin's head.
0: Yeah, sure. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. it's
1: it's the closest moment that he gets in real life to the fantasy versions of what he sees in his mind, mm-hmm. and that's like the fact that they kind of lay it out that way, and you can then see that connection and how those associations are built, and like how he translates what he does in real life into what he sees in his mind is like fascinating to me. And and, again, very horrifying, very scary. That was the thing. I think I was surprised. Like a lot of the stuff I, I I saw or read about this movie was sort of like, well, you know, it's not really a scary movie. And I was just like, fucking says who?
2: Yeah, (laughs) Like
1: there are not really jump scares, but there's like plenty of suspense and tension and violence and murder. Like,
0: and Romero's not, I wouldn't say he's particularly known as a suspense director. And I think he yeah. is excellent with it in this.
1: Yes. Like
0: all of the little twists and kinks he puts into things, yeah. I think are very effective. You know, the, the woman not being there when he comes in. Yes. Even the bit as the train pulls in where he gets, where Martin's trying to get out and the girls are banging yeah. on the door and you think it's this woman's apart- compartment. Right. But it turns out not to be um the the switch where they the woman's uh the person she's having an affair with is in the house Yep. i think it's i think he's really really great with that stuff
1: yeah yeah even when when at, towards the end when he goes to mrs santini's house mm-hmm. and finds you know, he's looking for her but he finds her dead in the bathtub yeah that's very unexpected and then there's you know after that you're like oh shit what's he gonna do yeah. he's definitely gonna get blamed for this
0: that's the thing like you know you were saying how much you hated that subplot um,
1: I, I as, did. as we were watching I, it
0: and I was you, like I knew where it was going it, but
1: you, you pinned exactly why I disliked it mm-hmm. you immediately were like does this remind you of the James Hurley yes. Twin Peaks season 2 subplot and I was like yes it does yeah. and that is why it's leaving such a bad taste in my mouth yeah, yeah.
0: it's such a great it's such a great subplot I think Because it really gets into this element of uh, the loneliness of these people. I think it gets into this thing where, like, is all if you look at him just as a serial killer, Mm -hmm. she ends up occupying the space that stops him from killing, just because she actively wants to sleep with him, which is, you know, one of those one of those things that that.
1: But it doesn't actually stop him.
0: No, it doesn't. It, uh...
1: <laughs> it makes it harder for him to kill, right? But he still wants to.
0: True, that's true.
1: He go- very much talks about how he's like, I'm having a hard time finding the right person. Yeah, but he can't
0: find pe- fa- he can't find ladies anymore because yeah. they're not as pretty as Miss Santini. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's it's a it's a great through line to to put some pressure on his whole thing. Yeah. Which then leads up to the one person that he doesn't kill and he gets blamed for. Right. Ends up leading us to, I would say, one of the greatest final scenes in any movie ever.
1: I will say this this scene, I loved it and it shocked me.
0: Yeah, it's it great. Was,
1: I, I did not see it coming. Like, I, I kind of saw it coming. I knew, let me put it this way. I knew there was going to be some sort of inevitable final confrontation between <laughs> Tatekura and Martin, like something was going to happen yep. one way or another. Those two were going to be kind of the last two left on the chessboard at the very end. I was not expecting it to go the way it did. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Fantastic. Just a full frame. Yes. Stake through the heart, courtesy yep. of Tom Savini and his yep. blood spray machine.
1: Yeah. Because Martin's just <clears throat> laying in bed and Tate Kuda comes in and starts saying, I told you the f- that you couldn't take anyone from this town, Yep. and you you did, and so now rather than finish the exorcism to try and save your soul before I destroy you, yes, I'm just going to destroy you, and then he stakes him through the heart, boom, yeah. boom, boom, and blood Fucking goes everywhere, amazing. and we're and we're done, we're out, we're d- we're finished, we're fantastic gone, goodbye, ending. good night.
0: Uh, yeah, fantastic, and I think the um, you know, the special effects in this are 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 very good. Um, I think you can see the lack of budget in places like the staking sure. at the end, I think is great. Yeah. But like, you
1: can see that it's very much like someone's laying horizontal, yeah. someone's standing b- behind them and just kind of holding it next to them and going, like, yeah, boop, boop, I think, boop.
0: I think on first viewing that yeah. scene is shocking enough that it doesn't matter.
1: Exactly. You're, you're so, you're so surprised that, yeah. that he just does it and Martin doesn't fight back. He doesn't yeah. have a chance to, he, yeah. just, he just wakes up because the stakes getting hammered through his arm Yeah.
0: And they do the great thing where, you know, before he starts hammering, they give you a close up where you see the point yeah, on yeah, yeah. John Amplis's chest yes. like indenting a little bit. That's where the magic trick comes in.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um you know you get the 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 vein slicing stuff is pretty intense. Yeah. Apparently the first one on the train, uh-huh. which is incredibly graphic. Yes. Was an accident. Because oh. it didn't work right. So if you actually watch it, um, he he makes one cut yeah, and nothing comes out yeah. except a little drip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so then he goes back and makes a deeper cut. He wasn't supposed to cut that deep, and all that it wasn't supposed to be that gnarly of a cut. Yeah, but they just left it in.
1: I mean, yeah, because it looks, it
0: looks amazing. Yeah, uh, almost got them an X rating. That that single scene, though.
1: That one, just yeah. that. <clears throat>
0: um, you know, you get that one classic Savini scene, which I feel like was a. Uh, dry run for Friday the 13th where he puts mm. the stick through the guy's neck <laughs>
1: yes I was gonna say is it when he has kindly uh, he's he's drugged the cheating couple and he's taken the um, the the affair partner outside kindly tucked his shirt very back nicely in. Dressed yeah, him, redressed him, him tucked his shirt tucked in, his shirt and yep. made him presentable and then uh, pulled a pulled a stick off a nearby tree and just poked him hard enough to make him bleed right everywhere yeah.
0: so okay so I think that there are as much as I love this movie um I think there are bits that are a little bit loose. Sure. Um I think that scene is a little bit loose yeah. narratively. Yeah. Because like I'm I was watching it when we were watching it last night I was thinking like what is how does he get out of this? Because he doesn't kill the woman. He lets her live. Is the idea yeah. that she, she's not going to say anything yep. because that would that would prove she's having an affair.
1: Yep, I think I think that's exactly it. Because she won't, she doesn't want to call nine one one. She doesn't want to call the police,
0: and she forgets the number. And nine one one is just for the cops. Oh but God. it does. It's okay. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It's just a general emergency. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine like a a a one eight hundred collect commercial or a ten ten three two one commercial. I know.
1: I know what those are now. Yeah,
0: you do. Yeah, yeah. We talked I about
1: recently that learned about those. <clears throat> yeah. Anyway. But no, but but no, I, I, yeah. I, th- I think he's just kind of relying on her not to say anything because it yeah. would blow up her life. Yeah, which is interesting because it's sort of like I thought, and and that's another really scary moment in this movie when he's he's drugged both of them, but he's killed the man, and then he's kind of come back for, to molest her, mm-hmm. and she's kind of fading out because she's been she's been drugged, but she's not quite passed out yet and she says she kind of has this revelation where she's like oh like oh my god you wanted me Mm. and he's like yes yes i did Mm. but because he was here i'm not gonna hurt you like i'm not gonna kill you yeah and it was like she was so she did such a great delivery of that line because it was so clear that she was like having this revelation that like Oh, this wasn't just a random break in like you were specifically after me. Yeah. Which is a terrifying thought, especially as you're about to become unconscious against your will and no one's there to help you and your your prone body is going to be left to this psychopath's whims. Yeah. Yeah. That's really scary. Yeah.
0: And I think his attack, too, is, again, talking about a different way of, of showing an animalistic nature. I think the way he attacks, especially in that scene, is very mm-hmm. animalistic. In like the way he essentially strikes with venom, yeah. and then he just kind of runs away and waits right, right. until you fall asleep. Yes, you know, and he kind of he's sneaking around the house and he jumps in and he hits him again, and then he yeah. just like runs and into then retreats. An, yeah, yeah, it's it's really creepy.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it's also interesting not not to go on too long because we're approaching an hour. Um, but Gr- Greg and I were talking recently, not mm-hmm. not too long ago, about how. I kind of have a resistance to the flippant way a lot of media will use sexual assault or rape. Sure. As just like a shorthand.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just
1: just like, oh, she's, you know, oh, she's aggressive and she's kind of a messed up person. Oh, want to know why? She was raped. Oh, yeah. Or like.
0: It used to happen a lot in comics. It was like it was a shorthand for. Yeah. Badass female character was oh she right. was raped at some point yeah yep. Yep.
1: or on the flip side do you want to know how evil this guy this guy is so evil do you want to know how evil he raped this woman right that's how you know how bad he is and it's like all right fine but like when it's used as part of the like an integral part of the story in a way that like you could not tell this story without mm. it yeah and you are shown it in a way where it's like it's genuinely horrifying, and it's not just—it's not just like for the shock factor. Yeah, which is I think I think this movie does a good job of that. Like I, th- I think absolutely, yeah, a really good job of showing how this is part of what mm. Martin does, and and like what does that mean? Yeah. And, and, and kind of where does that lead him? Like, where can he go from here? Right. And it seems like the answer is kind of like spiraling out of control a little bit and then getting staked through the heart by your cousin.
0: Yes. (laughs) Um, as we're rounding out the one thing, I, other thing I want to talk about is, uh, this is a very quiet movie. Um, the, the soundtrack is very subtle Hmm. when there is soundtrack. Uh, it, I think it matches Martin's demeanor very well. He's very obviously doesn't have that many lines. Uh, he's is more like a like an animal, like a cat, just watching people <laughs> silently. Yep,
1: yeah. like your dog Bliskin.
0: Yes, who is very loudly eating a toy. <laughs> um,
1: I feel like I should lean over with my mic and be like, "Can you all hear it?" <laughs>
0: uh, there was in Europe. Uh, there was an alternate cut. First of all, apparently the original cut of this movie was mm. two hours and forty-five minutes.
1: Whoa! Which
0: is very fascinating because I don't really know what else you'd really want out of this. Like, and yeah. even even as it stands, I feel like you know we were joking how towards the end there's sort of like a surprise shootout, yes. co- cop <laughs> chase scene. <laughs>
2: yes.
0: Which sort of comes out of nowhere, yeah. And it, like it feels like it's all right. We got to put a little bit more action in, this, right? So let's right? Beef right? Right? Yeah.
1: We've been a little too quiet, a little too slow. Yeah. We, we we're sort of we got to stretch this through. into an
0: hour and a half. Yeah. So it surprises me that there is huh a that there's an extra cut
1: hour, and yet what we kept was the spontaneous cup.
0: Yeah. Sure. Apparently, huh. it was uh, the original cut was thought to be lost, but oh. someone apparently found it. Cool. So it is out there somewhere. I don't know if we're ever going to see it. I would yeah. I would be interested to watch it. Yeah. Um I don't necessarily f- think it would be better because uh, yeah. I think they pretty much this is about as tight as you can get with this. Yeah. Um but in in Europe uh they were trying the release in Europe was uh I think it might have this might have released in Europe after Dawn of the Dead came out. Oh, okay. And as a way to kind of like boost this movie because it's a very quiet movie and yeah. kind of capitalize on on Dawn of the Dead, uh, the European cut of Dawn of the Dead was was recut by Dario Argento, oh. and um, has all this great music by Goblin,
2: oh yeah, Prague rock yeah, soundtrack yeah. band
0: that worked a lot with uh, uh, Argento, and so th- the Italian version or the it must be the Italian version of Martin actually has a bunch of goblin music in it, (laughs) which is very weird.
1: I don't like that. Like I don't get me wrong. Not saying I don't like goblin, but for this movie feels like the wrong choice.
0: Yes. Um, it's, it is an odd choice because like clearly they were trying to like boost this a bit into be like, it's a horror movie. It's George Romero. Yeah. Goblin soundtrack. It's about vampires. The, uh, (laughs) <laughs> i think my dog just puked on the rug beside us all right he's fine <laughs> Pliskin doesn't like doesn't like the italian cut of martin either apparently. you should
1: have named Pliskin martin
0: uh, yeah maybe the next one um but clearly you know the 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 european name of the movie is Wampire. Um, so clearly, they're trying to make it more of a, like an attractive uh, sure, horror sure, movie. Sure, sure, uh, sure. I'm going to play a little bit of the the goblin music oh. over the that appears over the intro of the movie, Ooh. Uh, just so you can hear what kind of what kind of stuff they put into this very quiet film. Yeah. Pretty awesome music. Oh yeah. But I I don't I don't know if it necess- necessarily goes with the vibe. No, of the movie.
1: it really doesn't. Because
0: <laughs> you've just got this like quiet walking with tatakuda sequence with yeah. just like goblin ripping it on top.
1: <laughs> yeah, tonally This is not. This does not match.
0: Yeah. Anyway. Uh, you know, I love Goblin. Absolutely. Probably not the best the best choice for this, unfortunately. But uh, um,
1: Goblin can't be for every movie.
0: Yes, I mean, I wish it could.
1: But but it's you know you don't wanna you don't wanna waste Goblin yes. on the wrong movie.
0: That being said, yes, I hope they play this when we see them in November. Yes. because Amanda and I are going to see yes. this is so we're gonna uh, this is how I make <laughs> these concert tickets a write off. Um, <laughs> Amanda and I are going to see the forty fifth anniversary, fortieth, forty-fifth anniversary Something like that. screening of Suspiria, which will feature live soundtrack by Goblin in person or what remains of Goblin. It's
1: gonna be so good. Uh
0: followed then by a concert of Goblin.
1: It's gonna be so good.
0: It's gonna be awesome. Uh and we will be covering Suspiria yeah. in November so we can talk <laughs> about this.
1: Get ready.
0: Um, but yeah, just to round out Martin, mm-hmm. uh, this is number one twenty one on our list. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about the placing? Do you think it should be lower or higher? Take I it off.
1: Mean, you're gonna disagree with me, but I feel I feel pretty good about where it's at.
0: I was gonna say the same. Really? Yeah, I think so. I'm
1: surprised. I'm surprised you don't want it more towards number one.
0: Um I think it's I think it's a great movie. Yeah. Uh I don't necessarily think it is like a top ten. Um. yeah it's tough because like I, I do I do really like it but I think if we're talking about just like the greatest horror movies of all time there's yeah. a lot I would put in front of it yeah Um, but this is definitely one that I would recommend if you're kind of looking for something that's off the beaten path yeah you know if you've seen the zombie movies mm-hmm. you want to see something a little bit different that I, I think this has the same I, I think this has as much like cultural social stuff in it as night of living dead or or dawn of the dead um yeah and it's the only time he ever romero ever did a vampire thing so
1: yeah and i think i think if you like those sort of 70s era movies that are that are very much about the time yeah as well as whatever the main plot is that you, you know if that's your thing you would enjoy this yeah
0: yeah we didn't even talk about the radio dj
1: I know we skipped the count. <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah, which is you know, I I think again that stuff is like that's how they kind of cover the it's not like the movie stuff. Yeah. But they, they they couch it in such a way that it feels natural. Yeah, I mean, it's a really
1: it's a really clever way to get your otherwise almost totally silent main character to open up and talk about himself.
0: Right. Yeah. 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 But yeah, that's Martin for you. Martin. Um, I hit the randomizer button beep, boop, boop, beep, boop, boop, beep, boop, and we have landed on number 32, oh. which is 1960s peeping Tom.
1: Oh, I am not familiar with this one.
0: Ooh, I'm excited for you to watch this
1: right after Martin and everything.
0: <clears throat> yes, this is uh more
1: peeping. I, I assume
0: <laughs> this is a peeping Tom is a movie came out the same year as psycho. It huh. is kind of regarded as like the sister movie to Psycho, of like. Interesting. Of, uh, of sort of like bedrock, uh, s- s- horror, modern horror mm. type movies.
1: Okay. So
0: it's pretty interesting. Cool. It's like, it's kind of mod, kind of funky. I think, yeah. I think you'll enjoy it.
1: All right. I'm um, excited. But
0: yeah, that's going to do it for us here. If you'd like to help support the show. Head over to patreon.com slash the Penske file. Join our Patreon where you can listen to Amanda and I talk about the second string of Stephen King movies, which is our coverage of uh, all the uh, 12 Stephen King movies that are not on our main list. And Mm. as we've been watching them, we finding out why. (laughs) Uh, But uh, this month, uh, what do we do? Firestarter in September, right? In
1: September, yeah. Firestarter September. In um, August, we did. Uh, Sometimes they come back, which yep. is another movie with an inexplicable parade scene.
0: <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> uh, the parade scene, in this actually was just a parade that they just started <laughs> shooting just at. Sure. Yeah, it was just yeah. you know one of those things that was happening.
1: Yeah.
0: Down the, the middle of the street in the neighborhood they were in, so just, just joined in. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you can uh, you can follow us over there on Patreon. Where last year we did uh, the entire Friday the 13th series, which hopefully, maybe we might be coming back to. There's been rumors that there might be a new Friday the 13th movie coming sometime next year.
1: Undead rumblings.
0: I will believe it when I see it, but hopefully I will see it eventually. Yeah. Uh, Thank you guys for listening. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you, Clay. We'll see you next time.
1: Bye, everyone.